everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 69 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. And again, I say, hey, everybody, it's been a while. Uh, just had a lot going on, uh, things I, I'm not going to get into this week, but if everything goes according to plan, I'll explain a little bit more next week, uh, as the format of the show changes slightly, uh, just keep an eye on your, uh, podcast catcher, whatever it is that you use to, to listen to these. And you'll, you'll notice something a little different next week, according, assuming of course that you're subscribed to the show. Um, if you're not, then you'll hear this episode and, and that'll be that. But, uh, got a great episode to come back on. Uh, this was a conversation about 2011's warrior, a movie that I, I agree with the guest. A lot of people have not seen. It's a movie I saw in the theater, uh, when it first came out, but I have to admit, I hadn't really given a lot of thought to since then, and it was really great to have a reason to go back and revisit it for this wonderful conversation with Alex Whiteley of the Shrewsbury Biscuit and You Suck podcast. He'll explain those podcasts in the episode itself. Uh, but I'm really happy to be back, and I apologize for the delay in between episodes. And again, hopefully we'll get into that next week if everything goes according to plan. For now, however, we're going to get straight into the episode as Alex and I discuss 2011's Warrior. So are you a mixed martial art fan? No, not normally. Which is very <laughs> odd that I love this movie. <laughs> I just, I always feel the need to ask when people pick sports movies, you know, are you into the sport? Because I'm I'm not a sports person. I was into uh, professional wrestling for a while in the... Uh, Maybe late 90s? Uh, no, it had to be the 2000s, I guess. Now I don't even remember when I was into it. But other than that, I'm I'm not a sports person. Uh, so it's it's always interesting when people pick sports movies because it goes into this whole world that I'm not as familiar with. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because I'm not a boxing fan. Yeah, I love Rocky, you know? And uh, the wrestling <laughs> thing for me would be... It's, <laughs> Is I'd like to like wrestling. I'd, there's a there's a weird thing that goes on with me, right? So like, if 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 it was a bit more, if it was real, and these scenarios would be real, I'd be entertained and probably horrified at the same time. You'd be like, oh my god, he's just he's just hit him over the head with a trash can. He's going to hospital. Why would you do that to a guy? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> wrestling's an odd one because I tried to watch. I tried to, because when I was a kid, right, when you're a kid, wrestling is just amazing, right? It's just this crazy thing, you see. And I tried to introduce my my boy, who's six. Uh, I showed him, like, last year's Royal, the 2019 Royal Rumble before the world closed and stuff. And um, he was just so bored. <laughs> I couldn't, he, I couldn't he, he just didn't like it at all. And I think it's because it was so badly, like, scripted and choreographed and stuff, you know? It's not like it was. Yeah, I have a 12-year-old. I've never attempted to get him into wrestling. None of his friends are really into wrestling. And we watched uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago, which has a wrestling scene in it. Because that's yeah, the kind of... Macho you know, Man the... Randy Savage. Just right, it. exactly. And my son has no idea who this guy is. <laughs> and he flips 
out when the cage drops and it's suddenly a cage match. And he flips even more out when that someone hands him a chair through, because he has no idea that this kind of stuff goes on in professional wrestling and that it's scripted <laughs> and it's all planned out. So he was just completely aghast at what was going on on screen. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. I love it. What a good film that is. Yeah, oh yeah. So so you're not a, a MMA fan, so what kind of a movie fan are you? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, that's like asking what kind of music do you enjoy? Um, <laughs> the, oh, yeah, my, true. My mu- I tend to, I'm a bit of an emo guy. I like emotions when it comes to both music and movies. If it's a, a film where, where the underdog wins or... You know, there's this epic battle which ends in victory or something like that. I tend to like things like that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like the, the reason why I like this film is because it's such. Okay, so my usual taste of movie are things like Warrior. I like all sorts. I like the MCU. I like DC. I like I like a good drama. I like a chick flick now and again. I don't know if that's a real to say that these days, but yeah, I like those kind of romantic <laughs> comedies as well. <laughs> the only thing I'm not too keen on is sort of slasher. But, um, sort of horror stuff. I will watch him. Uh, my my co-host Tom Bruno is um, he's mad on on uh, on horror movies. And we just spoke to the director of Wrong Turn, which is like a oh a classic. nice yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so I had to watch that, which is good fun actually. But yeah, I chose this one more for the the the, the passionate sort of uh, family values sort of uh, those undertones that that make you feel good at the end, the feel good movie sort of thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, so the podcast is called Have Not Seen This, where we're talking okay. about movies we're surprised other people have not seen. What are your Have Not Seen This movies? What are movies you haven't seen that other people are surprised by? Um, there was one recently that I had to go and watch, um, just because Tom Bruno, with my co-host, was like, you need to watch these things. And that was a, uh, the reboot of Godzilla and Kong. A Kong I'd watched for about, originally when it first came out, um, and I was kind of like, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's annoying me in this. I can't watch it. Sorry. And then I put them down. Um, but I've, I went back recently and watched uh, all. Th- there's three of them out now, isn't there? There's Godzilla Kong and Godzilla King of Monsters. And um, I've really enjoyed them the second time around. But that was one of those movies where everybody seemed to have seen it on the planet, but not me. And that's that's Samuel L. Jackson's fault, in all honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have to be honest. I have not watched Kong Skull Island. When you mentioned Kong, my first thought went to uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, which I guess is a, a separate beast unto itself. But yeah, I've not seen Kong Skull Island, and I've not watched Godzilla King of Monsters yet. And I guess I better uh, get my button gear because uh, we're recording this very soon. Godzilla versus Kong comes out, so I guess I need to to get on top of those. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad I went back and watched them, to be honest, because Godzilla I watched. It was not well, you've got kids, you understand. It's one of those afternoons where it's just too much noise. You know, the wife's making dinner, I'm cleaning up, the kids running around with toys. It was on in the background, and I wasn't really paying attention, right? So that's the, that was my introduction to to Godzilla. But after like sitting down and actually watching it and paying attention, it's very, very good. And um, Kong Skull Island, I think I misunderstood Samuel L. Jackson's character because after watching him, I'm like, whoa, this guy's got PTSD. Maybe I was a bit too harsh <laughs> because, um, yeah, he's all kind of like, we need to kill this sucker. Like, that very racist. Oh, very sorry. But no, that, he's very much like that. He's, he's just come out of Vietnam uh, and he wants to... He wants to murder it, whereas other people want to kind of understand Kong. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. I quite liked it, though. 
Um, I liked all three of them, and I am really looking forward to Kong versus Godzilla. So yeah, get on it. <laughs> yeah, got the, the the remake of Godzilla just set me off. I I didn't like it very much. I did see it in the theater, so I didn't have the at home distractions. But maybe I need to give it a second shot. But we're not here today to talk about Godzilla or King Kong. We are here to talk no. about 2011's Warrior, written by Gavin O'Connor, Anthony Tambakis, and Cliff Dorfman, directed by Gavin O'Connor, starring Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, Nick Nolte, Jennifer Morrison, and Frank Grillo. Growing up, we all want to know the toughest kid in the neighborhood was, right? I want to know the toughest man on the planet is. That's what we're going to find out. Brendan, it's me, Pop. What are you doing here? Tommy's back. Did he say if he wants to see me? I'm proud of you, Tommy. What you did for that kid in the tank. What was I supposed to do, let him drown? Tommy Reardon, you saved my life. Look, Brendan, the bank has got to go by the new appraisal figures. You're upside down on your mortgage. How much do you need? I didn't come in for long, Frank. I was hoping that you would train me. Are you serious? Do it! children in a family where their father gets beat up for a living. Brendan, you're a teacher. You got no business in the ring with those animals. Actually, I used to be one of those animals. Guess I forgot to put that down on my application. There's this big tournament. Top 16 middleweights in the world. But when it takes all, I'm gonna need a trainer of that much you were good at. I got a family to protect. Everything I do is for them. What's going on up here? Daddy is now a princess. Mom needed you. I needed you. You're my big brother. You bailed on me. I was a 16-year-old kid. What the hell did I know? You had a choice, okay? You had a choice. So I always start off by asking, how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? How do you sell them on wanting to see it? I tell them, uh, even if you don't like MMA, uh, you're going to love this movie um, because it takes you on a, an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I remember seeing this in theaters. I had not revisited it since I had seen it in theaters uh, until until watching it for this show. And that's one of the things that really stood out to me about this movie is I remember seeing the trailers for it before it came out in theaters and thinking this is just this testosterone fueled yeah. fighting movie. And it's not. I mean, there are certainly some scenes in the movie of that, but at its core, it's really more of a drama, of a family drama. Mm -hmm. It's one of those where, okay, so like Tommy is the the youngest son. He, he turns up out of the blue um, to his dad Paddy's house, and he's kind of like hasn't seen him in years because they're estranged, hasn't seen each other in years, and you get the vibes 
uh, from the conversation that I had that the dad was a bit of a drunk and a, a woman beater because he's like, oh, well, it must be hard to find a woman to take a punch these days, pops. You know, right. little things like that, right? And you kind of like, ah, you find yourself feeling sorry for the drunken wife beater. <laughs> That's kind of right because the son is so flippant about it when he comes back. And it's it's um I think it's one of those those family dynamics where you're kind of like oh well maybe maybe there's something wrong with everybody here because I think you've got to explain as well that Nick Nolte's character Paddy um, he's got PTSD really bad PTSD like to the fact where he can't go to sleep without listening to his tapes you know um, and that's how he sort of keeps sober as well um, he's he's trapped in Vietnam sort of thing so he's he's haunted this guy is not saying it's an excuse for for you know torturing your family or whatever it is he did but he's he's gonna come up coming up a thousand days tommy like he's, he's, he's nearly sober you know he's, <laughs> and um you feel like this guy's really trying and now all of a sudden he's getting a second chance right there on his doorstep with tommy and he's, he's nick nolte it does a great job of sort of trying to unpack this in a very short amount of time sort of trying to work out what's going on yeah and you just brought up an interesting point that I hadn't thought about, which is the the PS, PTSD, is I had never associated that with his character. I just looked at him as he had been this alcoholic, abusive father and spouse, and now he's not. But the connecting that with why he listens to Moby Dick and the behavior makes a lot of sense when you put it together that way. Yeah, they have a, a conversation sort of in the casino, but later on in the movie where he's like... Tell me about it, Tommy. I've seen it. I've been there. You know that kind of conversation to have, and that's a that's a you know uh, an ex soldier speaking to an ex soldier there, and he's trying to do his best to help. But obviously, I feel like uh, maybe over the years that Tommy Conlon has kind of developed all these things, all these emotions about his dad. That he, I mean, I think you have to go back and look at the the, the conversation to have in the cafe at the beginning is really interesting one because. He asks his dad to be a trainer because he wants to get into MMA, back into MMA, should I say, to, to enter this competition. And all he wants from him is a trainer, not a dad, nothing else. He just wants him to train him because that's the only good thing he was good at. That's all he was good at. And that was that's heartbreaking to hear, right? Yeah, I'm not usually a huge Nick Nolte fan. Um, and in this, the scene that Nick Nolte has with his other son, Brendan, outside of Brendan's house... Uh, trying to tell him about Tommy coming back and telling him about reaching a thousand days sober. And then the scene in the diner that you mentioned, and then there's a couple other scenes that Nolte really won me over with his role in this. And it's like he was nominated for awards and I felt like he deserved those nominations. You know, it's it's a very powerful and, and heartbreaking performance. Yeah, it really is. And it, I, it must be, it must have been... Do you feel like when it comes to actors like this, and I know actors can switch on and switch off, but when it comes to sort of a family dynamic such as this, the way the mannerisms, the way they act, the talk, the, the you know, I know Tom Harley's a genius at what he does, but there's got to be some element. They, they, they're kind of this is kind of familiar territory for them, you know. He's kind of like that's how it comes across. Is like there's there's an element of this in probably in their lives normally, you know. How, how many people do you know? that have had fallen out of a family member that don't want to speak to him ever again. And they have that conversation where, Oh, I'm back in your life. That sort of thing. You know, it's, there's gotta be an element of that in this because it, that it's just so brilliant the way that they all play it off, especially the, the anger that, um, Joel Edgerton portrays whilst having that argument that you're talking about with Paddy, uh, you know, you know, that shit you pulled dad, you know, all that kind of argument that he had is very raw. It's brilliant. In fact, 
Well, and it references something that's never actually brought up in the yeah. film, and, and that is, you know, that this has been going on between... It, so you get this sense early on, Tommy comes back, and he, there's a, a line in there that reveals that it's been 14 years since they've seen each other. On the flip side, the, the scene with Joel Edgerton's character, uh, it's only been a couple of years that they've been out of contact, that, that, that the rules are that their dad, that Pop can only contact them with a phone call or mail. And that's that's it. But it's only been a couple of years. And Pop even says, you know, Patty even says, you know, I have a granddaughter who I haven't seen in years and another one that I've never even met. So you get the sense that probably something happened with Patty being drunk around the granddaughter, that something there happened. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back as far as his relationship with Brendan, because Brendan's the one who chose to stick around in part to stick around with his dad, but also to stick around with this, this girlfriend who he eventually marries. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, do you go, do you follow your younger brother and your mom, or do you stick with the love of your life? We've all been there in a situation uh, uh, where, where <laughs> not, not in that situation, <laughs> but we've been there when a girl that you're with sort of overpowers every other emotion you've got in your body. That's what I was kind of hinting at. You know, uh, your mom's saying, no, you should definitely not go out with that girl. And, I, you know, I've been in that situation where I've gone, you're wrong. And she was right, by the way. <laughs> definitely should have done that. But yeah, we've all been in that situation where, you know, the girl is everything and you're going to stick around. Uh, that must, you know, it's difficult. But yeah, he says, I mean, I've got a question for you. You know, um, Paddy says to to uh, to Brendan, Tommy's back in, in the Berg, he's back in town. Uh, he, he, you know, and he was like, it was a bit later on in the movie when he says he's going to train him, isn't it? Was it that uh, night? It's no, I think it's that that same night. It's that yeah, because he comes to tell him, "I'm we're going to start training." Yeah, and he's like, uh, "Oh, so this is what you come back for? You've come to gloat. You come to gloat that you got your son back, and right. oh, good for you, sort of thing." You know, do you feel like he, that was the right thing to say? Do you reckon it was kind of an unsubtle way to sort of tell that? I think the relationship between this family is so broken that almost nothing that is said between any of the characters is the right thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially where Tom Hardy's character is concerned, he always manages to just say the wrong thing, you know, first to his dad. And then, I mean, it's, it's literally past the hour mark of a two hour movie. Uh, the film clocks in with credits at two hours and 10 minutes. It's literally past the one hour mark before the two brothers even meet face to face. And the, that, that, interaction that meeting is like cringeworthy where you know brendan is reaching out to him and saying you know i'm sorry i didn't go with you but what was i supposed to do i was a stupid 16 year old i'm your brother and tom hardy on the other side is is saying unless you were in the core you're not my brother those were my brothers you know he's completely disconnected himself from this family and yet he's still associating with them so it's yeah. it's it's it really is heartrending a lot of the scenes between the different family members. Okay, here's the thing I need to explain. I cry all the time at movies, and this scene, uh, without a doubt, every single time makes me cry because I think oh, yeah. about my my brother, my brother, and I. We li uh, he lives in Ireland, and I live in the UK. We don't see each other very often. Um, I think he's a bit of an idiot, really. If I'm uh, to be honest, but. <laughs> You'll miss him, right? <laughs> um, but that scene for me, I've, if, 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 you know, if that was me and my brother having that conversation, that'd be very difficult. You know, that scene, he, so he, he shows him a picture of his wallet of his family and uh, Tom Hardy or Tommy Conlon is like, 
I don't know these people. Why am I looking at pictures of people I don't know? And I was like, that's so rude. <laughs> well, and, then, and then that's on top of that when he's like, well, this is your family. And he even goes, who are you? You know, that's that's how much he's disconnected from this yeah. family. He's like, he's like an animal. In that scene, he is like an animal. He tells he's just holding back, holding back, holding back. Well, there uh, is a, a line later on in the movie where he's fighting in the big fight. And they, they say uh, about him that he wants nothing to do with the adulation. The crowd is on his side. He wants nothing to do with the adulation. He just wants to fight. And that that's true of him throughout the entire movie. He wants nothing to do with his family. He wants nothing to do with relationships. You know, the guy that Jim offered to help set him up before he, he teamed up with his dad, he wanted nothing to do with that. All he wants to do is fight, period. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a rough place to be in. That's apparent. That's the PTSD, that is. That's the guilt of, 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 of you know, him deserting his unit, you know, and, and try, I mean, he sees this competition uh, and he wants to win prize money to help the bereaved wife of his comrade who died. Uh, and, you know, that's beautiful. But at the same time, that's his only focus. Nothing else matters. And I mean, there's that amazing scene right at the beginning where he, he goes to the gym uh, and he signs up, he sees a poster and he feel you can see him like trying to work things out. He wants to make an impression, and they're training. Um, is it Mad Dog Grimes uh, in, in this in the in the ring? And the the guy that's trying to warm him up is useless, and he gets he gets knocked out. And he's like, "We've got no other people to train him." So you got Tommy Conlon in the in the gym, and he, he goes over to the uh, the trainer. He's like, "I'll keep your boy warm." You know, and they check if he's got a, a you know sort of waiver sign because right. he just literally walked in and. This guy's meant to be like the number one contender in the world or something. And he walks into the into the ring and straight up destroys him in front of all of his trainers. And um, you see a guy filming in the corner. That, for me, is such a powerful, amazing scene. That's the scene that makes you go, oh, no, he didn't, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> all right, before we get too much farther, let's take a look at the critical side of things because there are a couple of things I want to talk about that these critics bring up in their reviews. Okay. Yeah. Um, it sits currently at 83% at Rotten Tomatoes, 92% audience score, yeah, uh, 71% at Metacritic. So it is a pretty well-liked film. As I said, it did receive some Oscar attention for, for Nick Nolte. Um, so I always bring in a positive and a negative review. Uh, the negative review this time comes from Kyle Smith at the New York Post, who writes... Hoping to arrive at gritty and realistic, O'Connor instead gets stranded at dingy and dull. The entire movie looks like it was buried in dust for six months, then thrown in the dryer with a quart of 10W40. Even if you could run a squeegee over it, you wouldn't find much. The big training montage midway through the film is about as exciting as the intro sequence to the 6 o'clock newscast in Columbus, Ohio. What's easier to pull together than a training montage? All you need is a cool song and a decent editor. Moreover, though, there are some suitably rousing fights in the final act... In the first 75 minutes, there are only two brief warm-up bouts in which we see that, yes, each of the brothers can tussle. Surrounding these bits are whiny, slow-paced scenes about background problems. Dudes, you're in a movie called Warrior. We don't need a lot of material about your day job or your mortgage. Wow. That guy must be... <laughs> he must walk around Disneyland absolutely <laughs> colorblind and unaware of the magic he's seen before. What, what, I mean... <laughs> The whole grit is the reason I love this film. That grainy sort of um, effect it has, the, the old-fashioned filmy grain, I love that. That is art for me. The way this is filmed, is, is it looks visually beautiful to me. Oh, yeah, and that's and that's one of the things I actually jotted down in my notes is there, the scene where Joel Edgerton's character comes home um, after fighting, 
and he sneaks into the bathroom to try and not disturb his wife while he, you know, undresses and she comes in and it's filmed in this, this amber light that just is beautiful. And it's, it's disconnected from the kind of the cool blue that we had filtering the scenes with Tom Hardy. And it's showing this difference between the two brothers visually and also making a really impressive visual print. Yeah. I love, I love films that have a bit of grit in in the, the grain in in with the the, the video videography you know i mean it's all great to see the crisp clear 4k superhero movies and stuff like that but this is a gritty drama right. and you want that you want to feel like you're in the story but you know it's i don't know it's just got a bit it's a bit of class that is i think when you do that well, and this, and at the same time, hearing about the day job and the mortgage, that is the story. That's what's driving the character. That's that's Absolutely. the motivation. So if you remove that, then you just have a movie with two guys on the track to eventually fight each other. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a visually brilliant film as well. You know. Yeah. All right. On the positive side, Roger Ebert for the Chicago Sun-Times. I always try to bring in Ebert when I can. Um, and he he writes, once the premise is clear, it's as certain as night follows day that Brendan and Tommy will meet in the ring for the championship. That accounts for the three climactic rounds because each has to advance through a semifinal. What is intriguing is that Warrior doesn't have a favorite. We understand and like both characters, and so does the film. Director and writer Gavin O'Connor arrives at that standoff by playing fair. Both have motives, they are long estranged after unhappy split in childhood, and in some ways, they hate each other. This is a rare fight movie in which we don't want to see either fighter lose. That brings such complexity to the final showdown that hardly anything could top it, but something does, and Warrior earns it. Yeah, and that that's that's fair. That's really fair, because, you know, um, they during the, the tournament that they're talking about, the, the end spectacle... They both show up in completely different ways, don't they? You know, like um, Brendan is—he literally scraps his way through air, all of his fights. He—he he literally grits his knuckles and gets the job done. Whereas Tommy just literally breezes through and destroys everyone. So you kind of like, I want him to win. He's putting a lot of effort in. I want him to win too. And then you've got the backstories behind both of them. I, I mean, you do all that work, build in a background, and then you throw them into scenes like that. It's very, very intelligent directing yeah well and 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 that brings me to a question i wrote down before i started looking at the critical reviews but while i was watching it which is who did you want to win the first time you were watching this movie i uh, that's that's difficult that is uh (laughs) the first time i watched probably probably i'll probably say um tommy only because really uh, only because he was doing it for that family but that's that's you kind of find out sort of later on in the movie. I don't know. I'd probably say Tommy overall because I just I felt like when when he was fighting and he would just destroy people. Those electrolytes going in my brain. I was kind of like, oh, this guy's amazing. I'll be shocked <laughs> if he loses. You know, right? Yeah, I I I have to go with the other side. I I, I mean, I agree with what Ebert says about not wanting to see either fight or lose, but at the same time, I don't agree because I think the film portrays Tommy so roughly, you know, because he is rude to his brother and his father, and he he is emotionless other than the scene where he calls, you know, his his friend's widow. Um, to check in with her and the kids, he's he's pretty emotionless, and it's like I realize he's fighting for the right reasons. In that 
he's going to give them the prize money. I realize that he's a hero in that he saved these other soldiers from death, but I still didn't like him. Whereas with Brendan, he we see him with his wife, we see him with his kids, and we see him as a teacher. And yeah, he's the teacher, yeah. Right, and I just, I, there was a lot about Brendan to like, whereas I didn't feel there was a lot about Tommy to like as an individual. Uh, can I change my answer? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I, no, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. It's very hard to choose between them because they've both got the right reasons for doing this, but I see the struggle in Tommy. Um, throughout this whole film, he's 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 really vile to his dad, really vile. And um, there's these two connecting scenes that are just so unbelievably powerful and beautiful. So Tommy's in the casino. It's in between the days of the fights, and he's he's literally just just slotting the coins in and, and his dad's trying to find him to train and he finds him at the machine and they try to have this conversation and this is where uh nick nolte or paddy is trying to say to uh to tommy conlon look look let's talk about it. let's talk about what's going on he finds out that's it he's found out about the the, the, the tape him rip, ripping the back off a tank and all this stuff that's when the story's broken right and um so he's like tell me about it you did all these things let's talk about it and tommy conlon just goes in this vile rant about his dad and throws coins at him storm and he just storms you know he set, sends his dad packing you know it's really horrible but then the next scene you find his dad, who's a recovering alcoholic, absolutely smashed off his face in the in the hotel room with his tape on. Uh, almost can't see Tommy. He can't see him because he's that distraught. He's listening to the tapes. He's in his face. He's screaming, you know, about this. The his, his horrors coming back to haunt him. And instead of getting nasty, Tommy, he literally he's very careful and beautiful with him in sort of cradling him on the bed and making sure he's safe and looking after his dad. And, you know, so he sort of flip flops from this horrible, nasty, vicious person to a really caring guy, actually, deep down. And that right. for me is another scene. It's that there really in him. Me. Yeah. 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 I, that scene also you know, on this viewing, because I had seen it before that scene also, and, and maybe it ties in with what you were talking about with the PTSD for, for Patty, you know, I, the, the movie opens with us hearing this, this excerpt from Moby Dick that he's listening to on the audiobook, And it kind of sets the stage that that's what he listens to. But anytime that there is a Moby Dick reference in a, in a film or TV or whatever, it immediately gets my brain going, okay, well, what's the white whale? Because that's, that's what Moby Dick is about is about the pursuit of a white whale. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've seen this movie before. And admittedly, I don't remember the scenes with the father as much, but I don't remember him really being in pursuit of anything that could be considered a white whale. And yeah. and that was bothering me throughout the movie until that scene where he, he goes back into the bottle, you know, that, that his son has just been so devastating to him. He climbs back into the bottle and he's listening, as you said, to his book, and he's just repeating, stop the ship, stop the ship. And I realized he it's not Moby Dick, in ser- it's not Ahab in search of a white whale. He is one of the other sailors on the ship trying to maintain control in this insane environment. And that maybe he realized his alcoholic self was Ahab or, or whatever, but it's, it's not about pursuit of a white whale. It's about trying to retain some shred of sanity in, in a crazy environment. And again, Nolte knocks it straight out of the park. That yeah. scene is just so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. And, 
and as I said, I'm not normally a Nolte fan, but damn, he does a good job in this film. <laughs> really does. He really does. I think. I think you know this. This film for me is one of those. Films, when we had this conversation about this podcast, when you were like you told me the premise of this podcast, straight away I thought of Warrior because I don't. I know it, it got award nominations and stuff, but it wasn't like a massive blockbuster. It was just like here's Warrior. Okay, I might watch that someday. You know, it wasn't like everywhere, and I feel like this is. This is up there with Scorsese's greatest. It's a piece of art, this movie, you know, and um, it seems like that that really give it justice to that, I think. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. In five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. And this is Daniel. And I'm Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what a Hoosier is. Do you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Great. We don't need to look anything up. <laughs> Go to Wikipedia and type in Alabama Hot Pocket. No, don't do that. <laughs> And that'll tell you what a Hoosier is. Just come listen to us. You'll find out. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Hoosier Homicide. You can also download any episode you prefer off of Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We tell true crime stories with some random connection to our home state of Indiana. So come listen. That's what she said. For the love of God. (laughs) And for honest to goodness, stay stay out out of the the corn. corn. Pretty good. So let's change gears for a minute because we've talked a lot about Tommy and, and a little bit about Patty, but let's let's talk for a minute about Brendan because mm-hmm. the movie puts Brendan in a really interesting situation, which is he's a, a he's a teacher who yep. is struggling. And as he, we see a scene early on in the film that establishes he's got financial issues going on and he tells the bank loan person uh, that between he and his wife, they have three jobs and they can barely stay afloat. And we learn over the process of this that his second job is getting back into the ring. He's told his wife that he's bouncing, but bouncing was going to pay $9 an hour versus, you know, getting a couple hundred dollars for a night's work. And when the school finds out, they tell him they can't have a teacher who is doing this, you know, who is who is fighting and they suspend him. And the first time I saw this movie... No, I, I was already... No, when, when did this come out? 2000... Uh, yeah, 2011. So I was already a teacher. This had already happened. It reminded me uh, of my first year teaching where people at my school had discovered the, the website and the podcast that I was working for at the time. And I got called into the principal's office because there was a picture of me on social media wearing a foam hot dog hat for the movie Accepted. And... If you've seen Accepted, at one point, one of the characters is dressed in this hot dog costume on a college campus saying, ask me about my wiener. And his hat said, ask me about my wiener. And I ended up in the principal's office having to answer about why I had this presence on social media. And it's like, yeah, I can imagine them reacting this way to somebody who's sidelining with an MMA career. Okay, so that's quite accurate then, because I thought they were a bit, they went a bit overboard with that sort of suspended. It's a sport at the end of the day, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, but I could see, I mean, school districts still have very uh, puritanical ideas of what their teachers, how their teachers should be represented in the community, at least in a lot of parts of of, uh, the states. I don't know how it is over there, but here there there are uh, very pure ideas of how a teacher should be perceived in the community. Um, One of the teachers in my kid's school 
He's jacked. And I mean jacked. He's jacked. And I remember <laughs> we went round the, because he's only six, he's only been there two years. So we went round and did the, uh, he went around loads of schools to see what they were like. And this is the one we liked. And uh, I remember going around there and uh, we walked through all the classes like you do. And uh, <laughs> there's this teacher, we walked in and his arms are the size of my head. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, okay. so yeah yeah but yeah i think you're right it makes a lot of sense that you know activities out of school uh probably will be monitored i mean i'm a support worker and my my podcasts one's very it's 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 quite well renowned in shrewsbury in my town but the other one is quite r-rated and i have to be so careful (laughs) careful what i say but one of the things i like that the movie does is that that's not the last we see of the school that we see later on as this big event, this Sparta event happens, we see the students want to rally behind supporting their teacher. And, and more importantly to me, we see the principal, you know, watching it and cheering him on the principal who couldn't help him keep his job, but the principal wasn't the reason he lost his job. The superintendent was. And I thought that was a really nice relationship to kind of have in the background that these people, even though his, he was suspended from his career and there's no, there's no way he's going back to teaching after winning a $5 million prize. Um, But, (laughs) but these people still supported him that he still had people in his corner. And I really liked that touch of the film. Yeah, I really like the school dynamic. Um, and you know, uh, what's his name? Kevin Dunn. He's 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 one of those actors you just love to love. He's just so good. You know, yes. he is in. Um, and that just like you said, you know, we're talking about character building at the beginning there. Like you know, that's one of those things you can He's got on his side that he's obviously a really relatable, nice guy that people like to rally behind. Um, so that's something he's got in his corner. Yeah, he's quite tenacious as well, isn't he? In, in sort of like making sure his family's got what they need. Well, yeah, and I, and I, I kind of the 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 only reason I would have felt like that was unreasonable if I hadn't been in a, I, I won't say similar situation, but if I hadn't had my experience that I had, is what did the school system think he was going to do if they suspend him without pay? Obviously, he's going to have to go fight more because that's where he's making his extra money. And it's like it's and, and again, I can totally see that happening in the real world, but it's the same effect which is what do you expect to happen if you take away this source of income then obviously he's going to dive deeper into the other source of income which is what you have a problem with yeah yeah that makes sense and you know i think i liked it the the, uh the the scenes as well with um uh, frank grillo or frank capana who's the trainer that he goes to the gym um afterwards to be like i need to fight Uh, i've been suspended from school uh, there's these fights I need to go to and I need to stay informed. So can I just train here? But they have this amazing sort of dynamic. You know that something's gone on in the background and in the past. Again, they don't sort of delve into that. You sort of just accept that they've got this nice symbiotic relationship. And he feels guilty, the the trainer, for not being there for his family when he found out. Obviously, um, we haven't mentioned in this, but one of the main reasons is that they're in debt is um brendan's daughter had a heart defect which they went for hospital which obviously would have incurred debts um and he feels guilty that he wasn't there for the family so instead of like you know offering him the world uh he just let him train at the gym which i thought was really nice yeah but the thing i loved about that scene is how afraid frank is of brendan's wife 
you know, yeah. that, that that's his big it's concern. Realistic, his, right? <laughs> right. His concern is not whether Brendan's going to get hurt. It's not how it's going to impact Brendan's career as a teacher. His concern is I'm not going to have your wife showing up shouting at me again. <laughs> you know, the, the, the comment about, uh, you know, the last time I saw you, she was laying into me at the emergency room. Do you remember that? And he's like, no, I was unconscious. Oh, right. That's why she was yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. That that just brings such a realism to these characters that that that's the fear is how is your wife going to react? <laughs> They've got they have got a very realistic relationship. Like that's like, even as well the guilt of not speaking to him for so many many years. He's just like, oh, what can I say? I'm a dick. You know, that's 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 a very real conversation that you have with your mates. How how many of us really keep in touch with your friends and make sure you message them every week? None of us do, you know, because we've all got our own lives to live. That's beautiful. That's realistic. That's life. And uh, it's, it's just nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, he makes the comment about, you know, I meant to give, it a, give you a call and then time passed. You know, and I was like, God, I have like easily half a dozen friends that fall into that same category that it would be awkward to call them now because it's been so long because I didn't pick up the phone and just kind of let time get away. And it's not that it's not that there's anything bad between us. It's not that there's any animosity. It's just we've fallen out of touch. And once you've done that how do you how do you rectify that and in frank's case he just felt bad about not calling <laughs> yeah I, that that it's the, it's those relationships between people that make this film good yeah I no and i i agree i i love and i love later on the the pep talks that frank gives him during the sparta match you know that that the especially the kind of the key one cuz throughout the film we're also being told that there's this major antagonist this russian uh mma fighter who has never been defeated and as an audience member you know that one of our protagonists is going to have to go up against him yes and you also as an audience member can't really figure out well how are they going to do this because you can't have an undefeated champion for the championship if you're also going to have the brothers fight each other for the championship. So that, that does give it a little bit of where is this going to go as opposed to knowing automatically. But when Brendan is up against him, the, the advice that Frank tells him is just flat out, you know, why are we here? Because if it's just to fight, I'll throw in the towel and we'll go home. You don't knock him out. You lose your house. Yeah. And nice. that just the, the passion and the emotion that he delivers that line with, just floored me and that's i i'm the same way i i i will cry at the drop of a hat in a movie and that's a moment that gets me that that frank wanted to have a fighter here because it's good for him and it's good for his business but he he genuinely cares about brendan yeah i mean i, I was just talking about frank grillo by the way before this with my wife uh, my, my son is watching uh civil war and obviously he plays uh, uh <laughs> Cross was the name Crossbones, yeah. Uh, and um, I was like Frank Grillo, man, because uh, we watched um, the Kingdom that he did, which is an MMA series. It's beautiful, by the way. It's brilliant. If you get a chance to watch it, make sure you watch that. It's fantastic. Okay. But he plays an owner of an MMA gym. Ha <laughs> ha! Surprise. And I was like, Frank Grillo's great, but he's very. He plays that same down and out character, likes to swig whiskey a lot. You know, he's he has got that sort of character about him. I've never seen him do anything else really, but he does it very very well. Yeah. Know? Yeah, no, I, I I thought he was well well placed in this. Um, the other the other actor, uh, I really was I was cracking up watching this, and then I I started doing some behind the scenes research, and and maybe I don't want to talk about it, about him as much, but Brian Callen as one of the announcers, <laughs> yeah. um, 
I really was cracking up at how just gung ho he was for Tommy in the first round. And then the second round, here comes Brendan and he is so anti Brendan, you know, he pulls out the goldfish and it's like, yeah. this is him, you know? And it's like that. I, I thought that was really well done. And, and they didn't have the commenters, the commentators overstep that stay overstay their welcome. Like they're there for the first matches to kind of bring us up to speed and provide some commentary and some laughs and kind of, and that kind of stuff. But notice that when the fight against Koba happens, the commentators are significantly less involved. And when the fight between brother and brother happens, they're they're almost not there at all because it is just this intimate fight. The crowd doesn't matter at that point. It's just between the two brothers. Yeah, it sort of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Uh, can I give a special shout-out to um, to Kurt Angle as well, who plays Cobra? Because I watched this movie like three or four times before. I watch this movie every like six months, by the way. Uh, <laughs> three or four times before I realized that it was <laughs> Kurt Angle that was playing the hell out of that role. He doesn't even look like Kurt Angle. No. Yeah, he, he's fantastic as Cobra. And and they they build that character up as yeah, the, the unstoppable object the unmovable object yeah the unmovable object uh you know the undefeated champion and yet we rarely see much of any of him outside of the ring you know that they don't there's no ivan drago i will end you kind of moment it's just (laughs) he exists and he's going to be something that they're going to have to fight and i i love that approach to it as well it's the way the scenes they used for him were very, very cleverly done. Like you've got Brendan's wife watching and like, oh my God, this guy's a monster. She's scared for her husband, you know, just seeing this guy. Uh, yeah. And I, I love the way they handled her as well. You know, the, we mentioned the principal watching the fight on TV at home, you know, cheering Brendan on. And she's not. She she didn't support this move. And she tells him, I'm not going to watch. And the first round where he is, as you said, he's scraping his way through it. Uh, she's not watching. She is stress eating. She is trying to do chores. She is trying to do whatever she can to keep her attention off of her phone at the same time, waiting for a message on her phone about whether or not he's okay. And I loved the way they did that as well, that, you know, she can be supportive and yet also not be supportive at the same time. And yet she ends up on the last fight. She's there in the crowd. <laughs> she's like, oh, she's not there for the last fight. She shows up for the Koba fight. It's like, oh, yeah, it, yeah, the undefeated enemy. That's the one that you're going to show up for? Really? <laughs> of course you're going to see that shit pounded out of your husband. This guy's never been beaten before. <laughs> that, that fight with Koba, by the way, I've got, to, I've got to explain that each fight in this film is like its own separate drama. It's like they close the curtains on the film for a second. Here is the the, the Cobra versus Brendan drama. Enjoy this for a few minutes, and then we'll get back to the film in a second because that's pretty much how it plays out. You know, it is a brutal, brutal um, fight um, where, like, you know, we've mentioned that Brendan really struggles through this fight, but the, the, the determination just gets him through it. And that Cobra fight, he gets absolutely pummeled throughout the whole yes. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to the point that, I mean, it's not on par with Rocky, you know, slicing under his eyes to let the blood out kind of thing. But it is to the point of even as an, as an audience member, you're going, how is he surviving this? Other than the fact that, you know, he's got to face off against his brother so that, yeah. you know, that fight is in the future. But at the same time, it is definitely um, the the fights were filmed really well as far as like bringing out the brutality of it. Like they, they were very well choreographed and and played out. Yeah, they were. 
they were. Um, I was finding these in the MMA stuff anyway, not so much in the Rocky because that's very easy to film, but the MMA stuff that I've watched, it, well, it's only this and the kingdom really, but like the, the camera's very, very dynamic. It sort of moves around very quickly, bounces around sort of, because it must be really hard to film that, you know, but it also adds that you are in the ring with them type mentality when you're watching it. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's very nice because sometimes uh, we're in the kingdom when I was watching that, uh, it's kind of like make you seasick, you know? <laughs> you make you feel, right. oh. Whereas this was quite well done, yeah. Well, and I think that negative review, if I remember correctly, that I read from actually criticizes that as well about, you know, why is the camera weaving around in the same way? Um, you know, that why why is that happening? Why don't we just pull back and, and watch the fight? And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't, bring there's there's a fine line there because I, I i want that feeling of immersion but also i don't want to get seasick as you said you know i yeah. i'm i'm not a huge fan of the shaky cam during combat i'm a fan of pulling the camera back and showing the fights but i think in a movie like this you need to have that proximity to the fighters in order to to really pull off that audience engagement absolutely yeah it's, it's like i said it's art this film is, it really is it is. It it really is. And I, I mean, it's I was I was pleasantly surprised the first time I saw it. Like I walked away from, as I said, I expected to go in and find this testosterone filled, you know, fighting movie. And you got to admit, I mean, it's at, at first sight, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton are two big, beefy guys that if you saw if you had, if you didn't know about their careers and you saw them looking like this, you would probably assume that they are just meatheads. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's their performances that are are really good. And I remember, I think it was right around the time this movie came out that they announced that Joel Edgerton had been cast in The Great Gatsby. And when I saw him physically for this movie, I was like, he's totally going to pull that off because that character is described in the book as being hulking and hating the word hulking. And it was like, oh, he's going to pull, like this movie sold me on his performance in another movie before I even <laughs> saw the other movie. <laughs> I think the only thing I'd seen him in before was like Star Wars episode one, I think he was. So that's the only one oh, I've seen him. Three or is he in one too? I know he's in three because he's the one that they hand yes. the, the twins uh, the or Luke off to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. I totally forget he's in that. Yeah, he's in a few things, isn't he? But that's the that's the one that stands out. Is like, oh, he's in Star Wars once because I'm such a nerd. Um, I totally <laughs> forgot he was in Star Wars. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, what did you think of the final fight then between Brendan and uh, and Tommy? I, I think it's well done. Um, I, I, you know, it is, as you said, their styles are established throughout the, 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 the rest of the tournament that, I mean, Tommy knocks a guy out in like two seconds and then just walks off. <laughs> and it's, and it's, as I said, I wanted, it's, it's really a struggle because when you have a sports movie like this, you know, because nine times out of 10, it's the cliche of they're going to win. You know, that the it's the underdogs and they're going to win no matter what. And here we have two characters and only one of them can win. So I, I really went into it going, what's how are they going to pull this off? And I I think it's a great fight. It shows off both of their styles really well. And I think it, it kind of also ties into something that's repeated throughout the movie that on any given night in MMA, any fighter can beat any other fighter. And I, I really get the feeling watching that round uh, that Brendan gets a lucky break. And if this fight happened again, it very easily could have been Brendan loses. 
That's exactly what I was... I was going to quiz you on that. I was like, do you think if uh, Tommy hadn't popped his shoulder, do you think it would have ended the same way? He just answered it for me. Oh, yeah, hell no. No, 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 no. If he hadn't managed to pop his shoulder, uh, Brennan would have gone down. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember talking about this film years ago, and somebody... Whenever something I really like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a sociopath, I don't know, but the, <laughs> somebody was like, oh, yeah, that, that, that fight would never have happened. Uh, the, the ref would have stopped it as soon as the, the, the shoulder would have been popped, which is probably right, but like I'm at the same time, like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I'm having so much fun. Shut up. Leave it alone. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, and see, I don't know the rules. Like, if this was a boxing match, then yes, they probably would have stopped with the pop shoulder. And if this was, a, I mean, I don't know how you would have gotten a pop shoulder in boxing, but that's beside the point. <laughs> if this was a standard wrestling match, maybe. I don't know the rules of MMA. Like, I have no familiarity with it. So, I don't know. Maybe they would have kept the fight going. I don't know. But uh, the, the, I just love I love the, the, the Rocky scenes where, you know, Rocky's getting absolutely pounded throughout the whole fight. That's... Don't take that out of context, guys. Uh, but, <laughs> so we, but, you know, he's getting destroyed. And uh, don't do that one either. Sorry. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? They're having this yes. fight and he's he's losing badly. And then in sort of like the last couple of rounds, he turns it around and wins. We've seen that many times before. But you're thinking like Tommy's a beast and he is kicking the crap out of his brother. He's losing really badly um, with the odd come back now and again. Like they do. It's very, it's very cliche in that, that sort of regards. But, like, one is a brawler who likes to punch people, and one is a wrestler who likes to, you know, sort of get people to tap out. And you think, how is he going to do it? How is he going to stop this beast of a of a man, you know, coming at him? And it turns out that, you know, it, one submission hold dislocates his shoulder and really slows him down. He can, can't move that other arm. And yet Tommy still comes at him. He's still determined. He's, like, waving and... He's, tr he's trying to wave at his brother. He's like, stop, please stop. You're going to hurt yourself. Let's just stop it. There. And he's like, come on, come on. <laughs> it's, it's... Oh, yeah, because the dislocation happens in round three, and we still have a complete round four. Yeah, I'm five. Well, complete four. And, and, well, and, and we, it, get, yeah. we get into five. Yeah, like it, it should have been over in round four, but Tommy won't give up. That's just who he is. Yeah. Would you be annoyed if you'd have paid, um, I don't know how much a pay-per-view is, so it's $30, whatever, if you'd have paid that and you'd have seen the, that round four with two guys circling around each other, arguing about <laughs> who's going <laughs> to... I think I think people who paid for it on, on pay-per-view were probably just as upset about the two-second knockout that Tommy was doing. <laughs> We've been there before. Uh, that was a big thing with Tyson Fury. I like my boxing. Tyson Fury would... Um, walk onto a stage and literally just bam gone and walk it did very similar to tommy conlon right. yeah so people were like what <laughs> all right man before we wrap things up do you have anything else you want to talk about with warrior that we haven't hit on already um yeah this film absolutely without fail uh makes me cry and i'm proud to say that and <laughs> you should be too <laughs> what 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 scene I mean you mentioned the one the, the the scene between Patty and Brendan earlier what what else about this really kind of hits you in the feels I think I think the uh, the composition behind this film is very powerful very very powerful and the music is just so brilliant at matching the the drama that's going on in screen before you the scene on the beach where Brendan and Tommy are talking, they got that, that sort of music behind and the way they're sort of, you know, Tommy's sort of pacing and acting like this crazed animal, holding back and his, all these emotions. Um, at the end, uh, when uh, obviously Brendan wins and they walk off and they've got these 
drums in the background. And it's like, it's, it's slowly, I think it's a mixture of possible past life experiences with my own family mixed with, um, I have got this weird thing with empathy where if I see someone hurting or upset, it makes me hurt and upset because I want to help them. And I think that's probably what it is. Before we move to the end, I, I got to ask one other Tom Hardy question um, because it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Because we, as I said, I made the comment a couple minutes ago that if you just saw Tom Hardy, just like he looks in this movie, you would probably think he's just kind of this this meatball brute. of a guy, this brute. Right? Exactly. Have you seen the film Locke? No, I've heard about it. Isn't this the one with? Uh, it's just a car journey. Yes, it is. The the whole movie is Tom Hardy in a car making phone calls as he drives. So he doesn't get any physicality to it whatsoever. And yet it is a powerful performance from him. He's a great actor. He is. He really He's, is. I think he overextends himself an awful lot. And I do feel like... Okay, this is going to be controversial to say. I almost feel like Warrior is like a peak for him because he's done he's doing a lot more misses now than he has hits. I th- I don't know if I don't know if that's correct or accurate, but now I'm looking at his filmography to see where Warrior fell. Um, because I mean, he's he's had some other stuff. I mean, Fury Road. I think I, I would go with Fury Road more before I'd go with this as far as a peak because he does he does this one. He does uh, Lawless. He was okay in Dark Knight Rises. I have my issues with, but I liked his performance no, in. But I think I think right. Fury Road. I hated it. I hated Capone. I hated Bane. Yes. I hated Bane with a vengeance. I thought Vedder, his portrayal of Eddie Brock. Oh my God, I'm such a whiny bitch. Like, it's, I didn't like that. I have that not seen all. that one yet. <laughs> um, his performance in Peaky Blinders was very good. Very, very good. Um, he's 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 good at characters. When he's, when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. If you've not seen Capone, it's not even a... It's out there that it's a terrible movie. The Rotten Tomatoes thing, I think, is like... 17 percent or something um but you need to watch it because of how bad it is <laughs> no thank you <laughs> all right yeah. let's uh let's start closing things up here uh before we go we've got a couple of games to play the first yeah. is the algorithm says this is a list of movies that various algorithms say you will like because you liked warrior so this is kind of a lightning round of responses from you yes you like these movies no you don't like them you don't understand how they're associated with this one that kind of thing okay yeah all right, so okay. first up, we have Rocky. Yes, I love Rocky. Okay. Uh, Million Dollar Baby. I've never seen it, been intrigued by it. Love Clint Eastwood. Maybe go and watch it. Okay. Cinderella Man. Uh, another one I haven't seen, actually. I will watch this. I I'm like intrigued. Cinderella Man. I, I have to admit, I have not seen uh, Million Dollar Baby either. Uh, I, do, I did really like Cinderella Man when I saw it in theaters. I haven't seen it since. Uh, okay, so those ones are kind of obvious uh, uh, boxing movies, sports movies type things. All right. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I love that film. Okay. Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, that film's amazing. Oh, another one that makes me cry. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing the connection is because of Tommy's military side. That's all I can think of. Um, I, that's the one with the conscientious objector, right? The, the medic. I, Hacksaw Ridge. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I love that this guy stands stands up for himself. He 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 stands to his morals, and that's it. He's he's a conscientious conscientious objector, and that is it. No one's going to swear, and yet he still becomes one of the greatest um, military heroes. That is amazingly powerful, and it's just like a true story as well, isn't it? I haven't seen it, so I'm going to have to check it out because that, that's a pretty it. that's a pretty good uh, promotion for it right there. All right, now's where the list gets a little weird. Um, Gladiator. Yes, yes, yes. Put it in my veins. Oh, 
I'm, I, I, I like it. It's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. Uh, That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> we'll have to get back on to talk about that. Yeah. All right. Braveheart. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember liking it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rush. Oh, what a film. I love that film. It's great. Yeah. We just recently it's... covered that on the podcast. Sex, the breakfast of gods. <laughs> Something like that. I was not what you said. Uh, and then the last two are really way out there. Uh, Biker Boys. Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> Terrible film. And The A-Team. Yeah, I like that because it's uh, just enough cheese, if you know what I mean. There's just enough cheese in that that I like it. Okay. All right, cool. All right, we always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie. Are you ready? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Number one, in the original script, the Russian antagonist was given the nickname King Kong, a name that had to be changed for obvious trademark issues. And hey, ties neatly back into our conversation at the beginning. <laughs> uh, where did the nickname Koba come from? A, it was an unused nickname for Drago in Rocky IV. B, it was the nickname for actor Kurt Angle, who played the role. C, it was a nickname for Soviet leader Joseph Stalin. Or D, it was a type of dessert in the writer's room. Is it A? It is not. It was a uh, nickname for uh, Joseph Stalin, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, number two, when Koba is introduced, he is announced as an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling. Appropriate, because the actor playing the part, Kurt Angle, won the gold in wrestling how many times? A, one, B, two, C, three, or D, five? Is it five times? It is not five times. It is twice. Oh, I'm awful at this. It's I was trying good. to remember. He's, he always has his medals around his neck. I was trying to remember, visualize how many, how many he had. <laughs> well, but it's also how many are gold as opposed to, because I don't know, maybe, uh, he, yes, he, course, maybe yeah. he got other ones. Uh, all right, number three, a scripted but unused opening introduced Tom Hardy's Tommy in a different manner. What was the character doing in the original opening for the film? A, fighting in a ring on an army base. B, fighting in a ring in prison. C, saving the Marines in the sunken tank, or D, drunkenly sitting in a car outside Brendan's house? I reckon D. No, he was fighting in a ring in prison. They filmed it in a West Virginia prison. Okay, that would have been interesting to see, but yeah. I like the mystery as well. All right, and last one. You're almost, you're almost done. You're almost through. <laughs> I've got every single one wrong. Okay. <laughs> Number four, as you might expect in a film like this, injuries occurred during filming. Which actor suffered an injury serious enough to put a halt to filming? A, Joel Edgerton, B, Tom Hardy, C, Kurt Angle, or D, Nick Nolte? Hmm. Possibly Kurt Angle. No, it was Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton tore his MCL uh, and uh, it ended up fighting, uh, halting the fight scenes for six weeks. Uh, Tom Hardy did suffer a broken toe, broken ribs, and a broken finger. So no bell for you, but still, I had a fun time talking about this movie. Where can people find you? What do you want to promote? <laughs> oh, I do many things. I am, I am a pod king of my own calling, I imagine. Um, <laughs> I, I've run two networks. Uh, I think the, the first one I'll tell you very quickly about... Um, I, I run one of the most successful sort of podcasts in, in Shrewsbury, my, in the UK, my hometown, it's called the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Um, and it's all about, uh, my local town and the amazing people there. Um, I love doing that. Uh, if you want to hear about British culture, make sure you check that out. The Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Uh, the, the thing I started last year that's really starting to take off now is called the You Suck 
US UK You Suck Podcasting Network. And it's a collection of shows. Um, I host You Suck What's the Difference with my American uh, co-host Tom Bruno. Um, and we speak to people about culture either side of the Atlantic. Uh, we've spoken to um, movie directors. Uh, we spoke to uh, voice actors. We've spoken to uh, Jordan Romero, the youngest American to climb Mount Everest. Um, whatever it is, whether it's culture, either side of the, the Atlantic, we'll do that. I also host um, You Suck, What's the Dif- uh, the Weekly Bazaar, sorry, which is a, a live show um, where we talk about the most bizarre news stories and we we get on podcasters and we're running through the gauntlet so uh raf maybe you will will uh throw you an invite to come on that i think it'd be great um <laughs> oh, fantastic <laughs> uh, but there's also a show called you suck chronicles which is a great show hosted by jamie westwood and tom stevens on that network and uh, they uh they do uh the chronicles of certain people they've had uh, one of the biggest tiktokers come on uh what was his name i am carly i think her name is um and uh you know they're great guys too but i think what you guys if you do want to dip your toe into you so i can see what we're all about check out our wednesday night live show on our facebook page um that's uh you suck network uh or just you suck just us uk look for it join us on a wednesdays at 9 p.m and check us out <laughs> that's very long-winded i'm very sorry but that's the no. only way i could do it like I'll no, do that's 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 good. That's hey, it's your time to promote whatever you want. You know, that's that's no. It's our, our website is, is a lot easier. Is, you know, to remember, it's usucknetwork.com. That's it. Usucknetwork.com. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, as I said, I saw Warrior in the theater, but I hadn't revisited it since. So it was kind of nice to sit down and watch it again, and and some really fantastic performances in this. So it's been great chatting with you about it, and I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me on. Um, hopefully, we can do this again sometime, and I will be in touch, and maybe we'll get you on the on uh, the weekly bazaar. That'd be amazing. Sure, absolutely. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about Warrior, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Town Hess, that's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S, on Twitter and Letterboxd, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter. On Facebook, we're at Have Not Seen This Podcast, or of course, you can email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode. You'll have no chance. Jurisdiction over me? Release me at once or taste my wrath! I promise I'll be... Be silent or be silenced. Uh, I am always prepared to listen to reason, most honored sire. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard Entertainment games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Alex Whiteley for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rave Telsh, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other.